Welcome to the Healing Place podcast, a space filled with inspirational stories of hope, along with practical advice for your healing journey. Your host is Terry Welbrock, trauma warrior, writer, speaker, blogger, therapy dog handler, and founder of the Sammy's Bundles of Hope Project. As a survivor and a thriver, Terry's mission is to shine the light of hope into the world by interviewing insightful guests from across the globe. Please stay tuned at the end of today's interview as we honor our sponsors. The Healing Place podcast is a fiscally sponsored project of Fractured Atlas. Now, here's your host and trauma warrior, Terry Welbrock. Welcome, everybody, to the Healing Place podcast. I am your host, Terry Welbrock, and very excited to have with me today David Stone of ifearless.com. And we were just talking for a few minutes before I hit record. Uh, super excited for him to join us today to talk about overcoming anxiety. And um, he's a transformational speaker and author. So welcome, David. Thank you, Terry. I really appreciate you having me on the, on the program today. And uh, I, I'm just totally dedicated to helping people uh, move out of anxiety and out of worry and out of self-doubt and into a place of fearlessness and, and fearless, uh, fearless dreaming, fearless believing, fearless becoming, fearless act, action, fearless living. Uh, it just feels so much better to wake up every single morning looking forward to the day, look, knowing that, uh, that whatever comes along today, and there's going to be some great stuff happen today, there's going to be some awful stuff happen today, but it doesn't matter whatever is going to uh, come along, I know that I can handle it and that I'll be just fine. And uh, there might be some bumps in the road, but it doesn't matter. That makes the road interesting, and uh, and I'll learn and grow through this process. Yeah, beautiful, and I love it. My, you know, my mom is 84 years old, and she... God she bless always, her. <laughs> yeah, she jokes around with me, and she says, you know, there's two types of people in the world, Terry, the ones who wake up and say, good morning, God, and the other ones that wake up and say, good God, morning. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that one. That's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, that's what we're talking about. Right. I mean, uh, that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I, that's how I wake up every morning and I just you know, can't wait for the day to begin. And I put every night I go to bed and I think, wow, that was a great one. And you know, look at the things I learned, look at the things I experienced with the great people I got to interact with and now I'm going to rest and recharge and I fall asleep and sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night but I'm never waking up in the middle of the night with uh oh what am I going to do about this oh no what am I going to do about that it's always oh I got this great idea I want to share this I got to write it down and uh, so it just and as I said to you before we started uh into the program i well, I, I turned 66 uh, a couple of months ago, and I'm just getting revved up. <laughs> I'm on the on-ramp as far as I'm concerned, and I just got so much to do and so much to share. It's exciting. It is exciting. Yeah, I just turned 54 in March, and I, I like you, I had kind of just taken a step back and said, what do I want to do when I grow up? I owned a business and, you know, mm -hmm. was doing some other stuff, and um and this just became my soul work. And um, when you yeah. 
it's, it's my passion and this is what I get fired up about. And this, you're right, this is stuff that wakes me up in the middle of the night. And I'm like, oh, that is a great idea. I think I'll do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's it. As opposed to that feeling, and we've all had it, and we're all familiar with it, that feeling of waking up in the night filled with dread yeah. and filled with, um, you know, your mind is just spinning and, and swirling downward spiral, spiral of all these terrible things uh, that could happen. And of course, they only exist in your mind. Here, you, you know, if you look around, you're lying in this comfortable bed and everything's quiet and the moon's up and everything's just fine except in your mind. And that really is one of the foundational things about uh, anxiety. And, and you know, one th we talk about anxiety, and, and I just uh, last fall published a, a book called Unsubscribe from Anxiety. And, uh, but I, I like to think in terms of things that I am going towards and things that I'm going away from. Because if I spend my time thinking about anxiety, then anxiety, excuse me, fills my mind. But if I think about its opposite, fearlessness, uh, and then, I, then I'm moving towards that. And I think that there really are two sides, like you know, every issue in your life is, is, is like a coin. There's two sides to it. There's the thing that you want and the thing that you're trying to avoid. And if we spend all our time thinking about the type thing we're trying to get away from or the thing we're trying to avoid, then that is the thing that fills our minds. And we, you know, are, we attract into our life the thing we spend most of our time thinking about. And so while we are trying to get away from anxiety, one of the things I discovered as I got into this is that there's a whole large group of people who seem to want to wallow in it and who seem to say, this is who I am. And, you know, we, in, in my book, I talk about there's advantages and disadvantages and, and anxiety and worry and all these, they're mental habits that we've acquired because they exist only in our mind. There is nothing outside of yourself that is anxious. That's just stuff and circumstances. The anxiety happens inside our heads, so it's our thoughts. And so we have this choice of our thinking, and, and a lot of people say, uh, um, you know, I, I think I choose this. It, there, there's, perhaps it's a comfortable place. Right. Um, I don't find it terribly comfortable, but there seems to be a large group of people who want to hang on to it and want to identify this is who I am. And maybe there's some comfort there, or maybe there's a, a identification with a group. Maybe there's some sympathy there. Um, but I prefer to focus a, away from the thing, you know, away from the thing I don't want and towards the thing that I do want. And uh, you know, there's a lot of downsides of anxiety. You and I talked about, you know, briefly, you know, four major things that I find to be really good reasons to want to get rid of it. And the first one is it feels absolutely awful. It's, you know, anxiety and worry and fear are one of the most um, awful feeling emotions that we as humans can experience. So I, I just don't like feeling that way. So I want to do everything I can to feel better. The second thing is it never helps because a anxiety and worry are just sort of circular, tend to be circular. 
or and if you know they go around and around and around because here I am today worrying about this and tomorrow I'm worrying about the same thing and it's this, the next day and next week and the thoughts never evolve in any kind of if they evolve they kind of go downward <laughs> if I'm okay now it's worse than it was you thought it was bad before well just did you ever think about this might happen too and so we don't make any forward progress with it we just go around and and um uh, Michael Beckwith, I don't know if you're familiar with Michael Beckwith, he's a, a pastor out in, in California, and he talks about uh, mentating, which is that sort of endless round and around and thinking of, you know, repeating the same thoughts over and over again, mentating, I love that word, and uh, and so it, it never helps, because. And but some people say, oh, no, no, this is how I solve problems. No, it's not, because Problem solving is a very different activity than worrying. Problem solving involves assessing the situation and advantages and disadvantages. And this is what, I, you know, here's my assets, here's my liabilities, and here's where I'd like to go and weighing options and then taking action. That's And then the action that you take may or may not get the result you want, but now you've got feedback and now you can take a different action to modify. That's problem solving. But anxiety is just, oh boy, I've got this problem. And so we want to move beyond and in, in more into an action orientation. So that's the second problem with anxiety is that it never uh, accomplishes anything. Third thing is it makes you sick, literally. Chronic anxiety has been shown uh, countless times to result in all manner of uh, health problems, you know, heart problems, high blood pressure, hypertension, um, stiff muscles, uh, the lit, it was funny, I, I, for the book, I did a lot, quite a bit of research, and the list of the things that you can get, you know, gastrointestinal uh, problems, um, you get um, immune, immune system uh, problems, which these days, of course, with COVID, uh, the last thing we need to be doing is weakening our immune systems. <laughs> and here we are, oh, I'm worried about COVID-19. And in the process, I'm weakening my immune system, which is making me even more vulnerable to it. So th then there's the downward spiral that you get into. So we want to kind of break that pattern. And then the fourth thing, and, and this is the one that I find to be the most compelling reason for not uh, for not remaining in an anxiety state. And that is that it blocks our potential. Because when I am feeling worried or anxious or self-doubting or fearful, then I'm not going to try things. I'm going to limit myself before I've even begun. I'm going to talk myself out of things. I'm going to convince myself that I can't or I shouldn't. Or uh, people, you know, people that grew up in you from a background like you, they we don't do stuff like that. Right. Why would you even try to do that? And so we stick ourselves, we predefine our destiny before we even get an opportunity. So all that tells me that, no, I'm so much, this is not serving me in the least, and I'm so much better off without it. Yeah. I love what you brought up about the, some people find comfort in it, because my sister and I talked about that with our traumatic childhood of mm -hmm. we found comfort in the chaos. There, yes. In, in, that was our norm. And it wasn't until, you know, like you had stated before we hit record of being becoming um, 
a student of your mind and reading everything yeah. you get your hands on and researching. And I started to do the same thing and realized that the chaos was was what was keeping me trapped. And yes, I found comfort in it, but mm -hmm. yeah, that's what I needed to step beyond and change habitual patterns. So is that part of what you work with people on is changing those habitual patterns? Absolutely, we do. And, and it begins by recognizing, and, and in the book and in, in the online course and in the workshops that we do, uh, <laughs> workshops we'd love to be doing now. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, uh, we start off by sort of studying. We become students of anxiety. I say we're like uh, scientists in a laboratory. We put our white lab coats on. We've got this blob of anxiety sitting on the lab bench, and we're going to take it apart and see what it's made of. And the first thing you discover is that it is a, uh, the world around us is conspiring to make us anxious and to make us worried. And uh, not, not to blame the world, but th that's what goes on. Everybody around us. I had one woman in my one of my workshops, and she said, you know, but my mother's a worrier, my sister's a worrier, I'm a worrier, everybody I know is worrier. So therefore, you know, it must be normal. I wrote a, uh, a blog last week about just because it's normal doesn't mean it's desirable, and it doesn't mean it's unavoidable as well. And, you know, anxiety is normal. There's no question about it. But so, unfortunately, so is obesity, and so is uh, underfunded schools, and so are potholes in the road. All of these things are normal, but it doesn't mean that we want them around. And good people are working hard to try and get rid of them. And it's the same with anxiety. Yes, it's normal. Lots of people uh, suffer from it. But because it's normal, we start to think that it's therefore natural and unavoidable. It's just part of life. No, it's not just part of life. It's a mental habit. Because we've been thinking this way for so long, it, because it has become normal and habitual, we think, oh, I guess that's the way things are. And so we want to interrupt that pattern of thinking and start saying, no, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, CNN, uh, Fox News, all these, even the Weather Channel, you know, their job is to attract your eyeballs. And so they, and, and humans are hardwired with this negativity bias thing that's in, that's in our biology. And it's millions of years old. And it's, it was really handy when we were wandering around and the saber-toothed tiger was lurking in the bushes. It was very, very useful. Um, and so, but it, it's kind of like your appendix. It's, you don't need it anymore, but it's still there. It hasn't evolved out yet. But today, there's no saber-toothed tigers anymore. And the actual frequency of, let's call it real and present danger to us that, you know, that could really hurt us is incredibly rare. You know, yeah, you step off the curb and there's a bus coming. Uh, oh, okay. And, that, and that's when the fear uh, reaction emotion kicks in. And that's a really useful thing. You know, so if I step off the curb, ah, there's a bus coming at me. Adrenaline kicks in. Cortisol pumps into my uh, system. My muscles tighten up. My breathing increases. My heart rate goes up. And I take instant action because I got to get out of the way. I jump back onto the curb and the crisis is over. And so, and everything settles back down again. The body and our biology is designed to protect us. 
Now, in the days of saber-toothed tigers, that was really handy. Today, though, with the very rare exception of the bust and, you know, a few other things, uh, most, the vast, vast, vast majority of the things that we find ourselves being afraid of or anxious about are in our imagination to begin with, and but are much more vague or far off in the distant. And the the clear action that we can take is not clear at all. You know, I'm worried about my retirement years. I'm worried about my, you know, health. Have I put enough away, away for retirement? Well, if I see that as a threat or a danger, I'm my body's going to kick into that uh, danger mode, that red alert, the cortisol will pump in and all the rest of it but there's nothing I can do about it right now. And so I just stay in that red alert state. And when you do, when you're in chronic anxious anxiety state, some really serious health problems start happening. And so we want to distinguish between the usefulness of a fear reaction and the not the least bit useful anxiety reaction, which is in response to things that are much more vague and far off. You know, I can respond to, somebody's negative comment on a Facebook post that I put in there. And then I can get, oh, what do they think of me? Oh, my, you know, my uh, social media standing is going down and now I can lie awake at night worrying about that. Well, that's the kind of thing that there's no need for it whatsoever. And we want to interrupt that pattern. Or it's the, oh, oh I've got this mole on my arm. You know, what's the, I'm sure that that's going to turn into something. Well, you're just creating your own fears. There's a great, you, perhaps you've heard it, or perhaps your listeners have heard it, the FEAR, the word FEAR, F-E-A-R, is an acronym, which stands for fantasized events appearing real. And so all the things that we're afraid of are simply fantasies. They exist only in our head, and yet our body doesn't know the difference. The body can't tell the difference between something that's real and something that you're just imagining. And so it's going to do its job. It'll kick into that uh, anxiety response mode, which doesn't help you and feels awful and makes you sick, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we want to interrupt that pattern. And by studying anxiety and in the laboratory, as I was saying, then we do that. So we learn that, okay, uh, this, this is a thought pattern that I've been trained from the earliest years and has been reinforced by society, all the people around me and the media and everything else. So I don't, it's not serving me, I'd like to do something differently. So I've made the decision, I would like to be stop, stop being anxious, and I realize it's in my power. So then, the, then we start taking action, and the very first step is to decide that I will take 100% responsibility for every single thing that happens in my life to me. Now that's a big, big step, yeah. but it is absolutely necessary uh, if you're going to uh, if you're going to move forward with this. Because and and let's talk about why. Um, if I and, and it's very tempting and easy to blame and complain about what's going on. You know, here we've got this pandemic situation. Right. Who can I blame? Well, let's blame the Chinese. No, let's blame the CDC. No, let's blame the government for their... Um, the problem with blaming is 
as long as I'm blaming you for what's happening to me, I am completely powerless to make any changes in my own life. Because unless you decide that, okay, David would rather me not behave the way I'm behaving, so I'll change in order to make his life better. Well, the likelihood of you doing that is pretty slim. Uh, and especially if I, whom the people I'm blaming are big corporations or big pharma or the banks or the government, or the, none of them are about to change, or the weather. Uh, none of these things are going to change to make my life better. So by taking absolute control and responsibility for my life, then now at least I've got the power to, to decide what I'm going to do. And there are in, frequently there's a whole bunch of things that you can do because, you know, if I decide uh, I'm worried about my finances, great. Okay, well, there's all kinds of things that you can do about that. And if you're concerned about your health, there's a whole bunch of things that you, you can do about exactly that. And you don't need somebody else's permission or anything. There's a million things you can do. And so as soon as you decide that I'm going to be the one who's responsible, so many things change. Suddenly you've given yourself permission to take charge and say, okay, I'm going to fix this problem. And that's, and, and I told you, you know, in, it was August of, well, so I guess coming up on 11 years ago. I found myself living in my car for the month of August of 2009. And I, and you know, the, the story of how I got there is, is long and complicated. We won't bother going there, but nonetheless, here I am a guy with two university degrees and, you know, er, frankly, earning six figures at the time, healthy six figures. And how is it, how did I end up sleeping in my car? Well, I could have a long list of people that I could blame and people and circumstances that I could blame and complain about and all the rest of it. And I started thinking about it and I thought, okay, well, it was so-and-so, it was that situation. Oh, I remember that business deal and I got screwed over by that guy in this business deal, on and on and on. And then the more I thought about it, the more I realized, okay, just a minute, every single one of these events that I'm talking about that sort of led to me being here, there was one and only one common denominator in all of them and that was me. I was the only one present when all of these things happened. I thought, hmm, that's a nasty thing to realize. <laughs> because then you think, okay, well, maybe, maybe I'm the one who's responsible. And when you reach that uh, conclusion, suddenly uh, it's terrifying. And but it's also incredibly empowering because you think, okay, if I got myself here, I can get myself out of here too. And I remember very clearly because I was still working at the time, still had clients that I was looking after. And so I would wake up in my car and go in. I was at a truck stop on the highway and I'd go into the bathroom and wash my face and shave. And then I would drive to the public library because they had Wi-Fi and I could get my work done there. And I go in this day, this, the, the same morning that I woke up saying, just a minute, okay, that's enough. You could, we ought to do something about this. And I also remember waking up that morning thinking, okay, you know, I wasn't quite sure who I was talking to, but anybody that cared to listen, I said, all right, you know, whatever I've been doing has not been working. I am wide open to whatever ideas you want to offer. So I'm at the library that day. 
and uh, I'm working at a table. And I get up to go to the bathroom, and I walk through the stacks where where they have all the books. And uh, this book had fallen off the shelf and was, was lying on the floor in the middle of the pathway. And I bent you know bent down to pick it up, and it was a book by uh, Wayne Dyer, Doctor Wayne Dyer. Oh, Wayne Dyer. I just yeah. have the book here. Yeah. And uh, I looked at it, and I thought, okay, here's where it begins. And it still gives me shivers to think about that. Yeah. And uh, uh, so that's where I started. I started reading and I thought, okay, there are answers here and I can find those answers and I can seek them out and I can change how my thoughts work because I realized it's my, all the thinking that I'm doing yeah. that has gotten me to where I am. So I want to change those thoughts. I want to have a different set of thoughts. And starting then, my life has just gotten better and better and better and better. And it's, it's absolutely wonderful. So that's the kind of interruption that we, I like to do with people that are helping to say, you know, I'm, I'm stuck in the same diet. No, you're not stuck. You're only stuck if you decide that you're stuck. Um, if you like being stuck, great. God bless you. You know, carry on. But on the day when it hurts more to, be, to stay stuck than it does to go to the effort of getting unstuck, call me and I can help. Awesome. Uh, yeah. I love mm. it. Well, the one thing, I mean, Wayne Dyer, I just had the power of intention on my desk. Yeah. I moved it over to the bookshelf, but fabulous. change book. your thoughts, change your life. I mean, if, if anyone ever asked me, what's, what's the book that had, you know, the most powerful effect in your life? And, and that book certainly did. Um, yeah, that, I, my copy of that is so dog-eared and every page is underlined <laughs> with notes in the margin. Yeah, I write, I underline, I star, exclamation point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Now, one thing but, to, to clarify, but, and, you know, for, and I think you and I talked about it just briefly on a LinkedIn conversation. I love your, I love how you put things out that make people think and, well, and stir up thank you, conversation. Terry. Yeah. And so for those who've experienced trauma, like severe trauma, like myself, so like sexual abuse, it's yeah. not so much as taking the responsibility for that, but your reaction to that responsibility and how you let yes. it impact you, correct? That is exactly, that is exactly right. Uh, because, and, and another, speaking of another uh, great authors, uh, Viktor Frankl, I don't know if you're, how much you've encountered him. But for the listeners who aren't familiar, Viktor Frankl was a, psychi a psychiatrist in pre-war Austria. And he was Jewish. And he got, uh, when the Nazis took over, he got rounded up and sent to a concentration camp. And he, uh, he survived and uh, did tremendous work afterwards. And basically what he did is he sort of studied the people in the concentration camps and, and discovered that those who had purpose in their lives. Those who found meaning in their lives were the ones who survived and moved on. And the ones who had no purpose and no meaning and just, uh, they were the ones that gave in very easily. And so for a person who has suffered trauma, who has suffered terrible experiences, um, the thing that we want to do is recognize that those events, you, you know, you, you can't go back and change those events but, and Wayne Dyer is one of the ones that uses the metaphor of, you know, the, the wake that's behind the boat 
is not that's where the boat has been it's not where the boat is going it's not it not doesn't set the direction of the boat and so as long as we hang on to those things i had had a not nearly the level of trauma but i grew up in a family that was um well we weren't technically poor but the ratio of money to kids was very very <laughs> low and i grew up um uh, with, you know, once a month, my parents would sit at the kitchen table and have these terribly worried looks on their faces and shake their heads and, oh, what are we going to do? And money doesn't grow on trees, you know. And, and so I, I grew up with these beliefs of how difficult it is. And I carried that with me for the longest time. And uh, frankly, to this day, I'm still sort of have to read. No, no, it doesn't work that way. That, you know, that is a belief that I developed. And so you sort of keep going back to those beliefs. But those are things that we can either carry around with us or we can decide we're going to, uh, that they're no longer serving us. And because even the most traumatic events, in the moment, they were extremely real and they were, ex and they were physical and they were you know, real, absolute, actual pain. The moment that they're over, they exist only in our minds. Right. And it's up to us to decide what we want to do about that. Because if we say, I can't get this thing out of my mind, then we're, you know, we're blaming the event. We're blaming whatever. Uh, but the truth is we can over get past these events. It doesn't mean it's necessarily easy. Although, you know, the ease or the difficulty of these things depends on our uh, level of, uh, of commitment to it and, and conviction about things. I, I just recently, actually in the last couple of weeks, I came across, a, and don't know where I've been, but anyway, uh, rereading some Tony Robbins. And, and I've been a big one for goal setting. And you know, I write down my goals and, and you know, here they are on my index cards, read them every morning. And, um, but, and, and I always express them in terms of goals, but he said something, he said, I, I make the decision. And it suddenly, and you know, has every once in a while, there's one thing that just clicks and you think, ah, oh, I get that. And I, th I thought, no, I'm not going to set goals. I'm going to make decisions. And there's something that's far more uh, well, decisive or that has far greater conviction when I make a decision. So I have made the decision that I'm not going to let this thing bother me anymore. I have made the decision that by this, you know, 31st of December this year, I'm going to weigh this much. And suddenly it, it takes on a level of, you know, I, I set it up as something that, oh, well, I made the decision. Um, and it was funny, uh, I, I have this little phrase that I use for different things. I've decided to decide. <laughs> and, it, you know, it's because we all like to second guess ourselves, you know, oh, should I do this? Should I do? Well, I've decided, oh, maybe I'll revisit that decision. No, I've decided to make this decision. And so it kind of, that's it. No more talking about it. Now, now let's get on with achieving this thing. And it's the same with the thoughts that we carry around with our heads, the beliefs that we have, uh, that we act upon because our beliefs uh, set our life in, set the course of our life. And if we believe that 
whatever happened to us yesterday, 10 years ago, 50 years ago, is still influencing us, then absolutely it will. But if we decide that I'm not going to believe that anymore, and that that belief does not serve me well, then suddenly I've got, I'm empowered and I say, well, look at all the things that I've managed to do so far. Look at all the successes. This is one of the other techniques that we use with people for accomplishing fearlessness. We, we go back to the things that you have accomplished in your life. I was doing one workshop and, there, and there's an exercise and I got it from uh, Jack Canfield, who you may know as well. Yeah. Um, and I said, okay, I want everybody to go back. I want you to think of five things that you did before the age of 18 that you were really proud of. Things that you, you know, wow, I did that. And whether it was a merit badge in Cub Scouts or whether it was, you know, I stood up and read a poem I'd written in front of the class, whatever it was, something that you did back there. And there was one woman in the class, she could not remember a single thing that she had done prior to 18 that she was proud of or she felt as a victory or anything like that. And that's the way we get. We're, we're so focused on what's wrong in our lives, we forget all the wonderful things that are. So with a little coaching, she finally remembered she was um, a competitive swimmer and she remembered the, uh, a swim meet that she'd won. And to watch her body change as she remembered that event, she just opened herself right up and this smile came over her face. I said, there, that feeling right there, that's you. You know, it's still you, you're still there. And then we go on and talk to people about, okay, now, you know, when you were your first job or when you were in college, think of five things that you were really proud of that you accomplished. And then we move up, move up, and then, okay, last week, five things that you did last week. That you, and whether it's just, you know, I had this great phone call with my sister, or I had this, you know, I made this really cool meal. Because then what we do is we realize, that, well, you know, I, I'm a worthwhile human being. I have capabilities. I, I have accomplishments. I, and that builds our self-esteem. Yeah. And the more our self-esteem starts to build up, the more we say, well, maybe I'll give this a try. Maybe I can actually do this thing that I'm trying that has seemed so hard for so long. Right, right. And, uh, and the, um, the transformation is just wonderful, wonderful to watch, you know, as people realize that. This one woman in a workshop, she walked out and she says, and it was this same, this same woman. She says, my shoulders aren't stiff anymore. This feels Good. And that was after 90 minutes. So anyway, mm, yeah, I, I, I talk too much. No, I love it. I, that, that's why I love these kinds of conversations because you, mm. can, you just get, you, you feel the passion, you feel the, um, you know, the belief in this. And uh, I certainly am a fan of, of the philosophies and um, yeah, I, I utilize them myself, but I'd never heard of what you just said about instead of, so much goal setting is decision making because I could see how yes. that would be. Yeah, yeah it, it's totally different. So I, I've rewritten all these ones. You know, <laughs> it's, it's business decisions, lifestyle decisions, fitness decisions, financial decisions in each area of life. I've made these decisions that by this time, by this date, I will have done such and such. 
and, and and I look at them every day, and I think, well, you better get on with it, Stone, <laughs> because you know there's you another day gone. Right. I've made this decision, and you're going to have to look yourself in the mirror and say, mm, how how are you coming with that? You know, how'd that work out for you? Yeah. And I don't want to face myself in the mirror <laughs> if I if I didn't come through on this thing that I said I've decided to do. Right. So now, do you do online workshops right now, or there? What is it? That yes, absolutely. We have uh, have have uh, some online courses, but I'm also uh, I'm I do one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching, but I'm and I'm working to set up um, something that I and this is just in the last uh, few days that I've, I want to do this. I'm setting up something I call Master Quads, and we've got Master Minds. But this is a master quad, so that's four people, only four, me and three other people, and we'll meet online and and just live, you know, say, okay, let's tackle this. And so I think that that's a nice, small, intense group that you can start being uh, mutually supporting. Mm -hmm. And uh, so yeah, we do we do um, that kind of uh, that kind of coaching. We also do I, I do Facebook lives quite regularly. Uh, I just did one last week about overcoming guilt, and it was called Guilt Free Today, and uh, I was really happy with that because when we start looking at some of these things that appear to be such burdens that we're carrying around, when we d dive into it, we discover that, no, it's just sort of some uh, misguided thinking, and uh, uh, with a little bit of uh, coaching and a little bit of willingness to rethink our our assumptions, suddenly you can say, "Wow, I can let that go. I, yeah. I don't have to carry that burden around." I always have this picture of these people carrying these heavy loads around, and and you know it's enough to get yourself through the day as it is. But then let's say, throw a fifty pound sack on your back on top of it all. <laughs> we don't need it. Right. So, so yeah, we've we've got uh, online workshops. We've got uh, we've got classes. I've got a blog that call, that goes out every Friday called Fearless Friday, and uh, oh, all kinds of stuff and more and more and more all the time. Just getting ready to start a Facebook group, and uh, I will keep you posted. And I'd love to share with your awesome. listeners all the things we're doing. Yeah. So how do how do people get in touch with you through website, social media? Yeah, well, well, the website is i-fearless.com, i-fearless.com, and they can go there and they can find everything and they can certainly get in touch with me. Uh, we're on uh, Facebook, and I hang on a second. I will just remember because I can never remember that. Uh, <laughs> face, Facebook is at i-fearless-now. No hyphens, just at okay. i-fearless-now. And um, ba -ba -ba, LinkedIn is i dash fearless uh instagram is i fearless 365 and twitter is at i fearless 365 awesome so we got all kinds of ways that people get in touch with me or they can just email me directly i'm david at i hyphen fearless.com they can email me directly and say hey david you know can you help me and i would be thrilled i this I figured out at at age sixty five what I want to be when I grow up, and <laughs> this is what I want to be, and I just live it every day. I, I and love it, it. It doesn't feel in the least bit like work. It feels I'm I'm just having a blast, and 
sharing this notion of fearless living and, and fearless dreaming and fearless believing and fearless acting and fearless just living your entire life in a fearless kind of way. Yeah. It feels so good. It's inspiring. And, you know, I, I let fear dictate my life for 25 years. And um, yeah, it's so many of us do. It's a horrible state to be in. And, yeah. um, you know, now that I've lived this, you know, did the healing work and did the research mm. and, and it, wow, it's just so amazing to be in this state. It's it really is. And you are there for proof that it can be done. Yeah. And, and I look around at, at people who inspire me and I say, okay, if she did it, I can do it. If he did it, I can do it. Right. And it just makes me feel so good and inspired to do more. Awesome. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to share with the audience before we close out? Uh, have you got another six hours or so? <laughs> No, we could. We could do like a podcast series. I know we could. Um, but no, I just want to reinforce it. And, and of course, we didn't have time to get into all the techniques that allow you to release anxiety from yeah. your body. And I'd love to share that with people. But just to, just to remind your, your listeners that you know, anxiety and worry and self-doubt are not things that, you, that you're burdened with and that, you're, that are natural part of life. They're not. They are normal because so many people have it, but they're not required and they're not mandatory and they're not unavoidable. You can step out of it. You can, as my title of my book says, you can unsubscribe from anxiety. Thanks. Don't want that anymore. Right. Quick. Gone. Yeah. Maybe you and I should probably do a Facebook Live and touch on those things. And um, Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. I'll have you on. We'll do it through my channel. and um, Okay. Yeah, because I love the idea of sharing the steps. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that'd be really cool and direct people to you. So, yeah. Okay, that's a decision. All right. We made <laughs> you and I. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so very much for the work you're doing to help others along their healing journey and for joining me today. Oh, Terry, you're so welcome. And thank you for having me. I've, uh, as you can tell, I just love uh, sharing this. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, and I, I get all fired up because you're fired up, and I, I can, yeah, I feel it. So Good. I love it. <laughs> Good. Glad. All right. That. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us today on the Healing Place podcast, and remember, until next time, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening today to the Healing Place podcast with your host and trauma warrior Terry Welbrock. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about Terry, her mission and the Hope for Healing journey, visit Terry's website at www.terrywellbrock.com. Thank you for liking, commenting, sharing, and offering your reviews on our YouTube channel, audio outlets, and Facebook page. And as Terry reminds us, until next time, remember, be gentle with yourself.